Hello and welcome to another episode of My Soccer Story. My name is Joshua Doring. Thanks for joining me as I talk to people from across the world of soccer to learn about their journey and what the sport means to them. My guest today is Annika Creel. Annika began her professional career in Sweden and was most recently with the Houston Dash in the NWSL. Unfortunately, she was let go by the Dash after we recorded this interview. Our conversation covered everything from what it was like entering the transfer portal in college to how Annika learned to be a great teammate, not just a good one, and the support she's received from teammates after suffering serious knee injuries two years in a row. Sit back, relax, and listen as Annika Creel shares her soccer story. Joining me today is Annika Creel. Annika, thank you so much for taking some time to share your soccer story. Yeah, awesome. Thanks so much for having me. The first question I always like to ask is very simply, where do you feel like your soccer story began? How did your relationship with this sport start? Goodness. I mean, it's got to be like 20, I would say like 23 years ago. I think I started touching the soccer ball when I was two years old. Um, I was a little preoccupied with some other sports too at the time, but I think my soccer story really started in um, just like my backyard. Um, I'm one of five now Um, at that time. Like I didn't have my youngest sister who's 17 right now, but yeah, we just all competed. And I mean, little, like little old me, like, or little young me, like had no idea where soccer would take me. Um, But just attributing um, the start of my soccer career to my backyard uh, with my siblings and uh, yeah, my family. And when did it become something bigger to you, whether that was just wanting to play in high school, wanting to play in college, maybe you were thinking professional at a young age, but when did that sort of transition go from this, just being something you do in your backyard competing with your siblings to I'm pretty good at this. And I think I might be able to go somewhere with it. Honestly, I would say when I was in middle school and even the start of high school, um, I was still doing several different sports. I was doing basketball. I was swimming. I was playing soccer. Um, so, and I played softball some, and then I got into high school. I tried to do basketball. Um, they said that I couldn't do both. They, they conflicted. And then, uh, their loss, by the way, uh, my friend, uh, we call her Pooh Lewis, um, we always laughed about that because I'm like, they needed us so bad. Uh, but yeah, I actually swam my first year of high school. And I think at that point, when I realized I was a great swimmer, but I wasn't an excellent swimmer. And I was a great, like, I, I, I used to be like great at everything. But you really start to hone in on what you're excellent at, you know, and What's kind of crazy about that is that when I was younger, I was on the B team and it's, it's funny because I was like this tiny little kid. And like, I I was a younger birth year than all of my friends, um, my July birthday in 97. So like my grade, everyone was a lot older than me. So it's just like ironic thinking back to it because I remember if I would have just stopped there, like just being on the B team and then all my friends, like. And this was like youth soccer. All my friends were on the A team. And I remember I was on the B team. And like it took one coach to take an interest in me. And 
obviously here we are now and without that coach like it's like I don't even know which coach it was I'm pretty sure her name was Holly and like I just can't remember what her last name was but she believed in me you know and like I believed in myself and then fast forward about four four years like I think I was on the B team for one year and then I switched clubs and went to Carmel because um, some English coaches brought me over there. They saw something in me that obviously my, the other club didn't see in me. And then you still, you really start to believe in yourself, especially as a young like athlete when other people start to believe in you. And I think like when other people started believing me, um, I started to believe in myself more, but with that, which is like funny to even think about, that also comes with a lot of people not believing in you. But like the excellent part of it was like finding the excellence was not in how well I was doing every game, but how much I wanted to keep playing, you know? And that's what really sets like great people apart from excellent people. It's not about how good you are right now. It's how much like work you're willing to put in to get to where you want to go. So I think like at that youth level, that mindset I had like just – I was crazy. And like, I look back and I was like, Oh my gosh, (laughs) sometimes I could have chilled a lot. Uh, It was a lot to handle for my parents. But I remember I cared so much that I would cry after any game, like I would lose or play not so well. And like, even like games I'd win, I'd be upset because I would have like one bad pass. And I knew that like this passion was for me, like where God wanted me to pursue my future and so, yeah, that just took off from there. Um, and then here we are today. Was there a, a moment or something where it kind of clicked for you in terms of you're seeing all of this effort you're putting in really start paying dividends where you're not just thinking about, I want to see if I can get better today, but sort of thinking about where this sport could take you and ultimately getting to somewhere close to where you are today? Yeah, so I think that my um sophomore year of high school is when I really started to see like okay like I I I have potential you know and I think at that point you're striving for excellence but like you haven't hit the peak of excellence yet um and I think after my freshman year I was actually going to quit high school soccer because I love my high school coach now he's amazing um and he'll laugh if he ever listens to this but I remember my first year like he didn't play me a lot there was a few seniors playing over me and center back is such a challenging position because you don't sub it's kind of like a goalkeeper but the just the two in front and I remember being so angry but then in in that moment I, I learned how to believe in myself and not to allow like a situation to like distract the goal that I wanted to and I was like I like worked, kept working really hard and, and did my best not to get discouraged. I came back that next year and like, we just were so good. Like, and it was just obviously the repetition that all of us put in, but I just remember like playing with other elite players. We had about nine girls starting it in the starting lineup who were going to play division one. And that's when you start to get a taste of like, okay, I'm playing with the best of the best. And I'm like a young player, you know, and I'm, I'm keeping up, you know, there's a lot I still have to learn. But I think like in that moment, my sophomore year, I was starting and I, I don't think I really, honestly, it'd be interesting to see the stats, but I don't think I really missed a game 
um, after that for my high school team. And then same goes to club. Um, I like just remember taking a different leadership role um, in club, which I look back now and I'm like, there's some things I could have been a better leader about, but uh, growth, right? But yeah, that would be the moment I think where I was just like, okay, like I have a shot of being excellent, but it really comes down to what you want to do, you know? And then also just, unfortunately, it's, it, it's not as easy as like how hard you can work. It's who's going to take a leap of faith with you in this career, you know? And then that ultimately takes you to UConn and then Butler for your college career. What did, what was that like for you? What did you learn through your college career and what was the, just for you kind of the process of going through a transfer and how did that, impact you as a you as a person in in your soccer journey yeah I struggled I I kind of say it like I was at a fight with God during that whole time because I remember I went outside my home when I committed and I was like barely a sophomore in high school and like it's it's funny because I think back to my sophomore year of when I like knew like this could be something I continue to play. Like I'd always dreamed of it, but you just don't know, you know, it's like you dream of being an astronaut, you know, but like it's till you like actually get in the space where you know if you're capable of doing that. And same thing, sophomore year, start of my sophomore year, like probably going into my club season, uh, I'm pretty sure I committed to UConn. And I remember doing it without my parents or anyone. Like, I just wanted to be so independent. And um, that's me, you know, kind of impulsive sometimes. Um, and I, I, don't, I don't regret doing it very young, but I would tell other players to err on caution of just getting too excited because the idea of something, somebody wanting you is, is really um, – it makes you feel really valued, you know? And I think at that time I was um, just like kind of forced into the decision, not by UConn at all, but by my coach. He's like, I had several other offers on the table and I was really trying to feel things out. I didn't really want to be away from home, but um, my coach was like, they're giving everything like you want, like they love you. They want you to start at center back as a freshman, like, you know, all this stuff. And I remember like, I was like, you're right. Like, why would I not accept this? So yeah, um, ended up committing to UConn. And the first year, honestly, was awful. Like, it sounds like I wish I could say it better. And like, my coaches would say the same for me. Um, until about my spring season, um, I, I came in with an injury to um, UConn. And um a walk-on actually took my spot, my spot. That's what you think. It's your spot. And I just remember like being not the best teammate towards her because I was jealous. You know, I was sitting on the sidelines. I was injured. I actually ended up ready shirting that year and met my, met my best friend who's actually in the league too. Um, you should interview her too. She's awesome. But Rachel Hill. And I just remember just being so like incredibly mentored by her and she's my best friend but she doesn't realize the impact she had on me like on and off the field um in that time like at UConn and this is why I never regret going there it's I learned how to be a great teammate like I always knew how to be a good teammate I never knew how to be a great teammate and like the best teammates are able to 
not worry about other people's successes because it's going to make them less successful. They're actually like they allow themselves to celebrate other people because they know that it will be passed on whenever your successes are met. And I played my sophomore year. I came back my sophomore year. I needed to do that for myself. I played a different position. I played center mid, um, won a championship. It was great. Um, obviously came in with a better attitude of how to be a better teammate. Um, just better overall person, better overall player and came in super fit, um, and played, did great, but I still needed a change. But at that point I felt like God was like, now, like I have like prepared you for what's next, you know? And so, um, the transfer part was, it wasn't easy. And I will say UConn wanted me to stay and I'm very grateful for the staff there and the support they had for me during my transfer because they actually let me put my name in the portal and said that I could come back if I wanted to, like after that, Um, which was, I'm really grateful for them um, for that. And then, yeah, so it was so funny. I put my name in the portal. I emailed Butler and I told my dad, I was like, I'm not emailing Butler. Like I just came from a top 20 school. I was like, there's no way I'm emailing Butler. And my dad's like, freaking humble yourself let's go like you need to like email butler and I was like they're not even going to respond and then they responded within seconds I like literally think I have a screenshot of how fast they respond it was a minute or something like that and they're like yeah call us call us and like it was actually between butler and Michigan um and then I looked at Michigan State too but it was like butler and Michigan so long story short like I feel like you've had a chance to talk to Terry and Rob Mm -hmm. But um, just incredible. I I just have no words. Like, you just can't describe them because they, I I mean, obviously you can see in my face, like they light me up um, and that's what they do to everyone else around them. Um, We did have a bit of a battle at the start um, where I came in my, my like transfer year, kind of almost expecting something or yeah, my transfer year. And I remember I sat the bench the first three games. Like I sat the bench and maybe played five minutes. And I was like, all right, screw this. Like, I'll just transfer again. And that power of of realizing like you are in control. Like athletes need to realize that wherever they are, like you you are ultimately in control um, of your situation. Um, like leaving or staying or whatever. Obviously, you're not in control of the things you can't control. But um long story short I was like god like why did why did I get sent here and unfortunately someone had to leave for a, a family emergency and I came in started scored that game and never stepped off the field after that and in that moment you learn so many things you learn never take this for granted you learn gratitude and then again self belief right because in that moment it looked like I wasn't going to be playing in that season and then in a blink of an eye like you have to be ready you know and like you know how it is in sports like that that's how it is and yeah I mean like that's how it all I guess you were just asking about my transfer my transferring but you know I'm like a blabber so I could go on forever um but yeah I really appreciate that because one of the things that you really got into there is just the the athlete side of the transfer portal with the you know, NIL coming in now and just the the one-time oh, transfer yeah. and 
with now, you know, applying to, to all of the sports and just the, I feel like there's not just the athlete side of that is not always told in a way that kind of makes, makes sense or is something that people can relate to. So I appreciate you sharing your side. Yeah. That, that was something I definitely wanted to touch on. Yeah, no, it's like, I, I like, there's been times where I've been like, sounds terrible, but like a bit embarrassed about my story. But then you realize like, 1% of probably college athletes actually go in and start and play every minute of their career, probably less than 1%. It's just, it's just like a false, like perception, you know, and it's really important for me to feel like, I feel like that's why God has me go through certain things. It's like to share that, you know, that ultimately leads you to beginning your professional career in Sweden. Yep. How, what was that like for you? I know it can just be kind of the wild, wild west when you're trying to to start a professional career, especially in this sport where there are, you know, all kinds of different situations all around the world. What what yeah. was that like for you? And what was your experience at GoToBoard like? Well, especially in women's sports, you know, like I would love to say like it's equal across the board, but like we really only have one league and now we have the USL that's I guess it's like the same division now as the NWSL. I'm not really sure how that works. I'm like, let's just make a feeder team so people can actually grow. I don't know. I'm still confused how we're, why we're doing all that, but um, I'm, I'm not the business head of all of that. But yeah, so ironically, so I put my name in the draft and I got calls from Portland, Orlando, um, Dash, and um, the Spirit were interested and then yeah Chicago I think was kind of like uh, out of the picture but yeah so I got really good interest and Orlando was basically like very interested and the Dash were honest with me they were like look like we only have two draft picks if we have a third we'll draft you like you know if they trade for something they're like we're gonna draft high profile players and I'm like okay so they were on all always honest with me and I um one of my favorite coaches um besides Robin Terry is Twyla Kaufman or yeah Twyla Kaufman now um so yeah she literally just invested me invest in me I I don't actually it might be Twyla Kilgore now don't quote me on that I'm pretty like obviously she got married but I don't know if she hyphenated her name or not so yeah you'd have to look that up but She's incredible. I mean, she fought for me from the start. And I remember she was completely honest with me about my situation. And they invited me into preseason. Long story short, I didn't get drafted. Um, and it was kind of crazy. I was really upset because I felt like I had a high chance of getting drafted. But I remember turning my phone off after the draft and was like, screw this. I'm going to find a different path. I'm going to go to Houston, uh, make my own way was at Houston for two weeks, I think, and then COVID hit. And that's actually why I ended up going to Sweden was because I was so bummed. I was in top shape going into the Houston, like, preseason and whatnot and um, did really well, showed really well, felt like I really fit into the environment. And then COVID happened. They sent all the trialists home. And then um, – yeah, just like sitting and waiting and then finally got to Sweden, um, got to Gothenburg. And that was like a huge sigh of relief, like just like 
getting the first steps in your career, right? And then I got injured. <laughs> so it was like so incredible. But I, I do think that like I trained so hard to be ready for whenever my chance came that I, I honestly overtrained in that time. So then when I got there, I was like, I got off the plane and then I was like, I want to train today. Stupid. Like if you're ever going overseas, like you've got to wait at least three or four days, you know? You pay a price for that trip. Yep. Yes, exactly. And I'm here like just all my life, like, and like, you've seen me play, like, I'm just like, so hard headed, like I'm like gritty. I'm just like, I'm gonna work for everything, you know, never take anything for granted. And like, that was like my attitude. And I look back and I'm like, I wish I would have been a smarter pro, you know? And so that happened. But then like, long story short, actually tore my cap twice in Sweden. So I went to the second division, got to play like, I think it was like something like 14 games, played a different position. Again, learned a lot. God was like, here you go. Here's another life check for you. Great experience. Um, I met my Swedish mom out there. Uh, That's what I call her. Um, We still stay in touch. And I actually got a call from, because I was supposed to go back to Gothenburg at the end of the year because I signed a two-year. Got a call from James. And I was like, what is this? Like, there's no way he's calling me. Like, I, I... I mean, like I was still playing, but like, because of my injuries, like I had to, the, the Gothenburg didn't have a lot of games left. So I talked to my agent. I was like, I gotta go play somewhere, you know? And so they loaned me out and he must've been following, you know, and you just never know who's watching you and who's not just watching your soccer, but how you respond to things, you know, adversity. And he called me and I remember like, I think I like denied him the first time because I was like, I have to go back to Gothenburg. I have to play for Gothenburg. And then I was like, this is my dream. Like, what am I doing? So eventually called back. He offered me a contract for, I think it was a year plus an option. And then, yeah, got to Dash. So I feel like questions about Dash will be next, but that's, that's kind of my journey. Yeah. And, what what did it mean to you before we get into to the last year for you just to actually get to the NWSL? You mentioned you thought you were going to get drafted. It didn't work out that way. Yeah. And, you know, this is kind of the same thing talking to WNBA players. They will tell you one in 144, 12 teams, 12 roster spots. And it's a yep. little bit different because you do have, you know, high level European op- options where the NWSL is not the only league setting the standard with, you know, the rise of the WSL, obviously what you've got going on in France, but you know, Mm -hmm. for for people born in this country, the NWSL is the standard and it's obviously becoming a bigger and bigger deal every year. It's where most of the women's national team stars play to actually get that opportunity and to kind of have that dream come true. What was that like for you when you kind of first arrived after sort of going through this feeling like it might've (laughs) happened earlier and finally having it actually happen? Yeah, it's so funny because it's like when he called me the first time, like I almost didn't believe it because I've been working so hard for this, you know, like you you just strive so much. And to be honest, like I feel like things really haven't come easy to me. Like it's like God's really wanted to challenge me in an incredible way that shaped me most importantly off the field and on the field. Um, But I was like, that's why I kind of think I was like, no, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But um. It was like too good to be true, but it was just like pure gratitude, you know, and like 
it was funny because you always think you're like that feeling like I've made it. And honestly, like it was not even, there was no time for that. Like all I could think of was like, I wanted to be ready, you know, like I wanted to be ready. Um, which again, like I'm learning just now to like celebrate the small wins and celebrate yourself and, and, and celebrate the people around you because I couldn't do it without the people around me. Um, but I just remember like the mindset of like, I got to get home. I got to start training. I got to do this, blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, I remember just like praying in gratitude, like faith is like number one in my life. And I was just like, I've been praying for this for so long. And like, like I said, like fighting with God sometimes, like, okay, why am I doing this? Like, why am I in Sweden? Like, ugh, I hate being away from my family. That's why I transferred to Butler because I want to be close to my family. And here I am going to Sweden, um, a seven hour time difference. But yeah, just pure gratitude, honestly. And just like the 1%, you know, that get to compete in this league and um, whatnot. So yeah, I would say gratitude. And then just as this is all kind of finally coming together, the the awful injury happens. And just first when that was was happening and kind of the immediate aftermath, what was, and you, you mentioned, you know, you've, this isn't the first time you've been injured. You've, you've battled through yeah. the, the rehab process before, but just what, what was that like for you kind of as it was happening and did it, did it take a little while for it to sort of sink in and for you to, to actually kind of start mentally processing and start thinking about, okay, here are my, my steps moving forward or were you immediately here's how I'm going to, work to get myself back from this yeah so my first year with the dash was a learning experience for me on the field but also just like mentally like a confidence and honestly Rachel Daly helped me a lot with that and by mid-season I was ready to go I'm like I should be starting every game and that's great because you want to be confident you want to have that edge like only people like Rachel taught me that like she's like you in order to survive you have to have the edge you know and I remember her like having a conversation that like changed the trajectory of my career. I remember I went inside, actually, I was crying my first year because I was like, blah, 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 whatever. And like, cause everything's just different. It's just, it's like, you're an excellent player, but like you, you got to develop, you know, like you're, you're coming out of like, I came on my first pro year, but it's just always different, you know? And now you're in one of the top leagues in the world. And I remember she like ran in after me and she said, and I'll get to why this matters and whatnot, but she comes in after me and she goes, I only yell at you because I know your potential. You're really good. She's like, I would never yell at you if I didn't care about you. She's like, you're going to be excellent for this team, blah, blah. And we built that sisterhood. And when I, um, and I actually played my first game, um, uh, it was like a game versa. I forget what Mexican team it was, but um, I just had like the edge, right? It was just like the game slowed down in front of you. And then like from then on, like from that on, um, and you know, center back's hard to get in, man. Like it, oh, yeah. it's hard. And so it's not like a winger where you just yeah. sub, but then you like, I come into last or next last year and I'm starting next to Katie Naughton, who's a, incredible vet like just iron woman you know uh someone I've been learning from and everything was going great you know like I scored in the the game when we went to Mexico like it was 
I was just flying, you know, you have that, you have the experience now, like you've been there for a year and you're like, all right, I'm ready to prove that I can start. Like, I don't just want to be rostered. Like I want to be a viable option to start. And like, right in that moment, like, I remember like, if I didn't have that first few months of preseason, it would have been really challenging for me to come back. And I remember when I got injured, the first few people next to me, like fighting for me were Rachel Daly and like my best friends, like Emily Ogle, who's now Emily Curran. Um, I remember my teammates were praying next to me, so many other teammates that I can't even, and can't even name. And just the sisterhood, right? that is what kept me going like that is what kept me in the fight and I remember it was pretty traumatic how I tore my ACL unfortunately we didn't have the best field um and I think our whole staff would say the same thing so yeah um so I actually slipped in a divot in our field like a dry divot and it was like a little hole my cleat got stuck and I was cutting across to defend and I actually thought I broke my leg and so it was terrible honestly like it was obviously recovered from it now but it was terrible but just in that moment you're like in fight or flight mode you're just trying to survive but I just remember like I knew something was wrong but I just remember the incredible amount of support that I had from my teammates that sisterhood like Rachel was like we're going to like fix the field right now she's like I'm going to tell the owner you know like your team is fighting for you and like in those moments, you realize how much you mean, even though I didn't play my first year and like I was just getting my like time to time to show what I was capable of. It it sounds bad, but like what mattered is like how you treat people, how you support people. And that's anywhere, like any career, you know, and that sisterhood kept me going. And then I just gave it to God in that moment um after I stopped screaming you know um because I knew something was wrong and I remember I was just like I don't this is crazy I'm getting off topic but Man City came in when I was about three months into my um PT and I remember the head um the head doctor looked at me and he goes you look great one one just think of this one day less and that was like my motto one day less you know and with the support of my teammates and, and everything, like I came back stronger and like, I felt great this start of preseason, but then unfortunately, like I, I tore my meniscus again in the same knee. So like I just had surgery again. So it's been hard, but again, the sisterhood and like just trusting that God has space for you and like where, wherever it is, like in the moment, like just, just believe that like you're there for a reason and I still haven't had my NWSL debut and I'm only saying that because this is how crazy the career is you know Mm -hmm. and I'm not embarrassed to say that anymore like my I've gotten injured you know like I've literally been injured since even like May of last year Um, and I play a challenging position to get subbed but haven't had a chance to really get my rhythm again so um yeah, I feel like just staying in the fight, it's not been easy, but like having community, having my husband, having having my family and friends like has been the utmost reason why I've been able to just keep going, you know. The other thing 
before we kind of get to these last final questions, I wanted to ask you is with what you've gone through injury wise and specifically the knee. I mean, you go look at Mallory Swanson, Leah Williamson, Beth Mead, I believe Vivian Miedema was also a torn ACL. And so there seems to be this more of this conversation about the idea that the way that kind of the soccer resources and, you know, whether it's, it's cleats are just not necessarily tailored to help keep specifically women safe, just because of the fact that women's bodies are different than men's bodies. Has that been something that you've been talking with doctors about through this? Is, is there, are there changes that you feel like need to, to happen to help make this sport safer for female players like you? Yeah. And this is, this is the most challenging thing, uh, probably topic for me to talk about. My PT is incredible. My doctor is incredible. Um, all of them have been incredible in the process, but the limited amount of resource, like I should never have to go on my field and my place of work and feel unsafe to train. We would literally avoid that half for the longest time. And we found out the workers went on strike. So our field was absolutely trash and we had literal holes. And I just happened to be the player who had to get injured, you know, and it just was so unfortunate. And obviously you can see the passion and and how I speak about it because you should, no one, I don't care what work environment you are in, like should ever feel unsafe. And it's like frustrating that like, obviously that would never happen in a, in a men's sport. They would never let you train on that. You know what I'm saying? And so like, that is just number one resource. Like we love all the glitz and glam. Like that's great. But if you don't give us a great field, we spend the most time on that training field. Our, our game field is incredible, but like we don't spend the most time there. Right. So it's just like the lack of resource on that part is just like, honestly, it's, it's unforgiving. Like, and I mean that in, I say that with like a grain of salt. Cause I know like, if anybody in my staff could go back and change everything, they would. Um, but like, it is, it's like the field was unforgiving. You know, I obviously forgive everyone who was involved, but like the field, it was unforgiving. Um, so like, yeah, that's lack of resources. And then honestly, my second injury, and I don't have to go into too much detail about it. In my knee, my second surgery was a lack of resources too. It's like, we don't have enough staff to monitor like our, everyone's loads, you know? And then it's like, it's hard because like, you're trying to, I'm getting back from a major surgery where I tore my ACL and my meniscus before. And I'm like, just hitting that mark where like, you're getting back into things, but you can't do too much. But then you have all these, they, you only have two people who are monitoring these things. And then they have to focus on the girls who are actually full into things versus like, I go out to the men's pitch and I see, I'm like, not laughing, but I'm just like, literally they had like five people working with one injured player. And I'm just like, it's no one's fault other than like the system, like that has been created about around the women's women's sport, you know? And I'm really passionate about this because I feel like both my injuries have really just honestly been a lack of resources. Um, And I think like my whole team would support me in saying that. 
And I think it's so important that more players like um, Janine Becky, I think Janine Becky, like had an incredible quote. Oh my gosh. She was just like, how do you expect um, women's athletes to play as many games as the men's schedule? Like if you're not giving them the same resources. And I was like, amen to that because it's so true. And it's so frustrating because it's like, you go from college, right. And you play like four months, maybe. And then you go to play a nine month season, you know, it's just very different. And we just don't have the resources right now. And I understand like money is obviously a factor in everything. And like, honestly, it's bad to say, but the turnover in our league with coaches and everything, I think it's really challenging for people to want to work in this space, you know, because like if the coach gets fired, you don't know who's going with the coach, you know, but yeah, it's like, something that like needs to be like there needs to be a force change with it and like our PA and like our representatives have been incredible and obviously we had the CBA go through but still with that like I feel like there's so many loopholes to try to save money that that clubs may or may not do or not even clubs but just like the league as a whole may or may not do and I can only speak for the resources of myself but yeah, there needs to be more resources. Like you could do a whole interview on that. I I appreciate your your honesty and transparency there. Three questions I like to ask everybody at the end. So we'll jump into those. First, what moment or moments from your soccer journey stand out to you as you're kind of looking back on on everything that you you've experienced with this sport? Yeah. So like throughout my whole entire career or just professional? Yeah whatever yeah whatever direction you'd like to head with your whole career I would say the most exciting part of my career was scoring in Mexico it wasn't even the goal it was like if you go back and and watch the video and if you watch it with sound it like could make me cry to stay because I really haven't been able to be back on the field in almost a year now like fully like I got back into things but it was the moment I scored everything like slowed down and like everyone was cheering. Like they were just so happy for me because they, it sisterhood, you know? And like, it's not just about who you are on the field, but it's also about who you are off the field. And like, I love my teammates, you know? And, and that, that was the special moment. I remember Sophie Schmidt was actually the first. And at the time I was still Schmidt, um, this first person to give me a, like a hug. And then you see me walking back to Rachel daily, like, complete legend you know with her arm around me and uh those are the moments like that is probably the most exciting moment in my career um and then gosh I would just say like the entirety of my career at Butler and um this is like so strange but like of course the winning and like and um and whatnot but it's not the accolades I just remember Terry and Rob we did like a special Olympics every Sunday after the game I'm not sure if you remember we did that but um and one of the people who came gosh he, he just like made my heart like so warm every time I saw him and I remember like on the last day my last Sunday with them he's like you have beautiful hair and he's he he like just like everything was just so pure joy And I just start crying because I'm like, I'm going to miss this so much. And that was like because of the culture that Rob and Terry created. And I could talk for 
like hours about how incredible their culture of soccer was and how incredible like my experience was at Butler but like it's so wonderful because that is what sticks out to me like the most in my career just like the moments like that like it just yeah just simple pure joy moments like that of course I had some other amazing moments but that one stuck out and then I would just say um goodness I would say like the the other one would definitely be like when I signed for Houston and just having like my now husband my family um and just like that moment with God like just like everything coming full circle and I always say like it takes like it literally takes like a family you know and like I feel like every other athlete would say that like you think about all the coaches all the staff all the PTs and everything um and they're the reason like you are where you are today it's not just because of me um but yeah I would say those are the three for sure excellent and you kind of alluded to this already but how do you feel like the sport of soccer has shaped you as a person? Oh gosh. Oh, soccer. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But goodness, I think like I was having a conversation um, with the maintenance person who comes in and fix the maintenance. And um, I just remember telling him, I'm like, soccer is really like any other job of course like it's incredible and special like I'm not I'm not out here saving lives like I just want to make that clear like but like what you can do is impact lives you know just like any other job um and I think soccer has truly shaped my heart and I like kid you not I had like anger management issues whenever I lost in high school like I would I think I chased the ref off the field a few times like it was bad it was so bad I didn't know how to lose I was too competitive I just didn't know how to lose and it's like shaped you in ways where like just the level of communication like you can have with someone the level of understanding empathy with other people like the level of just understanding like eventually I do want to coach and understanding that coach player relationship, you can literally change the trajectory of someone's life as a coach, you know, and same thing as a player, like literally the simplest acts can change the trajectory of that person's day of that person's month of that person's career. And I think the most important thing, like I've learned, like throughout my soccer career is like I, I touched on before. It's like, for me, like in my faith, like, I want to be so confident in what God has for me and that that is more than enough that, like, I can be everyone's, like, best, like, cheerleader because I want them to reach their full potential and their full God-given potential. And that's really challenging for even me to say as an athlete, but, like, you, you got to wake up and say it every day. But soccer's taught me that, and I really feel like God's used soccer to, like, humble me but also to raise me to a platform, but then again, humble me, you know, and with like this injury, it's been really challenging because I'm like, oh, why would God ever let this happen to me? And I'm like, yeah, like devil tries to work in some crazy ways. But like, again, like God has used it for like his good and my good. And like, I do believe like, give me um, the time to recover and, and I'll be playing 
um, in the league here sometime soon. But um, yeah, it's definitely an incredible journey um, with all the highs and all the lows. Like they all shape you. And I mean, you, you probably know it in your work environment too. Like it's like every conversation is like either like obviously giving you life or or not giving you life, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. Absolutely. And then final question. I just kind of leave this one open-ended. Annika, what does your soccer story mean to you? Oh my gosh, you got some good questions. Um, I should think of these things myself. Um, honestly, gosh, that's such a good question. My soccer career means to me, like, I used to say, like, the field was like my sanctuary, my second sanctuary. Because for me, when I'm playing soccer, like when I came back from my ACL, um, and like, I was like, you you kind of think you're going to be like, not so good, but then you get in rhythm and you're actually better than you were before because you're able to learn the game from a different perspective. So like, oh gosh, just like pure freedom, you know, pure, pure freedom and pure joy because when you're really in the essence of enjoying what you're doing, it's like you're a little kid out on the field and you just get that sense of freedom and fearlessness and yeah, I've had my fair share of injuries. Like I didn't get really injured a lot in high school, college. And so like, I think I played almost every game in Butler except for one, my last, when I sprained my ankle, gosh, that was terrible. But um, it just, yeah, pure joy, pure freedom and just childlike spirit. Um, and yeah, it's just shaped me into my, the best version of myself with like, obviously the ho- the help of my family um god my husband and like the people surrounding me awesome thank you so much annika for taking the time of to course. share your soccer story i appreciate it of course i mean anything for a fellow butler alum thanks again to annika for taking the time to chat be sure to subscribe to my soccer story wherever you listen to podcasts the video version of each my soccer story episode is available on the touchline talk youtube channel And there's a written version at touchlinetalk.substack.com. So check those out as well. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.